what is up my dudes welcome to olympia oddities i'm trista and i'm steven and today we're going to be revisiting an old friend of a topic for us good old ufos and alien abduction <laughs> yeah i feel like it's been a while since we visited this topic oh it's, no it has it's like the friend that like our lunch date keeps getting rescheduled yeah and like it's like nine months down the road and we haven't seen each other you just can't link up yeah should we do the waffle house bro there's no waffle house in this state should we do the cracker barrel that's 80 miles south i'm not going to oregon (laughs) you're working nights i'm working days (laughs) i don't know how we're gonna make this work but we will see each other eventually and this is our meeting down the road of us meeting back up with aliens um it's been a while since we visited this topic and after i heard this story and learned that it allegedly happened right here in washington state i knew that i had to do an episode on it this is one of those ones that i just found just scrolling on my phone late at night this popped up with the pictures we'll talk about the pictures in detail more and one of them makes me giggle a lot um it's a good picture so i started looking more into it because it gave me the laughs and as soon as I saw that it happened right here in Washington State, I was like, oh, baby, we're doing a podcast episode on this shit. Today, we'll be telling you about the infamous UFO and alien sighting of a man identifying himself as Dr. Jonathan Reed. While hiking in the Cascade Mountains, Dr., which is in air quotes, Dr. Phil, <laughs> a Dr. Reed claimed that an alien killed his dog. So he whacked it over the head, brought it home with him, and recorded plenty of photographs and videos for evidence. Why well, wouldn't you do that? That's like, that's pretty normal. That's very normal. Why wouldn't you do that? I mean, honestly, if an alien attacks my dog, I'm I'm whacking it. Whacking it in the head. Dude, your whole no, your whole ET thing with like if you if you and your friends saw that in person, you would have been whacking it with hammers. <laughs> There's an infamous tweet that I cannot for the life of me remember who posted this, but it makes me laugh my ass off whenever I see it. But it basically, yeah, is to the extent of, I know one thing, if me and my friends had discovered E.T., we would have killed him with hammers. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not an E.T. fan. He creeps me out. And I relate very strongly to that sentiment. So Uh, we'll dive into what allegedly occurred during the day of his sighting. The movements that took place afterwards, how this all affected the life of Dr. Reed and those who knew him, and finally, we'll wrap it up by trying to uncover the true identity of Dr. Reed and figure out if he really is who he claims to be. This one's going to be a doozy, so get comfy and get ready to get weird. Our main source for this episode is an episode of Art Bell's Dark Matter, which was recorded on September 18th, 2013, titled alien in the freezer well i guess i'm stealing that but still that's a that's a that's a that sounds like a joe satriani album it's a nod to last podcast i feel like at least half of our listeners came here through some form of last podcast related social media page so they get they get what you're putting down thanks Uh, harry for creating the iconic little heavy metal guitar thing because we both do it constantly 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 but yeah this sounds like a follow-up to like surfing with an alien like joe satriani's running out of ideas uh, i don't know alien in the freezer all right let's do it it does kind of sound like <laughs> mad libs t- together you know <laughs> what i mean though there's a noun alien in the location freezer or like the one of those like memes that's like they just like spun a wheel 
to like take the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Alien in the freezer, go with it. <laughs> this wasn't the first call that Dr. Reed did with Art Bell, but seeing as they are both multiple hours long, and I'm talking three plus hours. That's insane. I, I figured I'd just pick the more recent one, hoping that there were more details revealed in that one because it was, you know, long. You're a trooper for doing even one. It was a lot. I love Art Bell, but like listening to it for fun when you're like in the car on a car ride or like for your own enjoyment and then listening to it and trying to take notes on everything because it turns like that three hour experience into like a five hour experience because you got to keep stopping and like backing it up, get that quote exactly right. But anyways, <laughs> if you do want to listen to that original call, it was made by Dr. Reed on November 11th, 1998 on Coast to Coast AM. Uh, Dr. Jonathan Reed claimed that his sighting occurred on October 15th, 1996. Oh, I paused because I thought you were going to do the same year your boy was born. The same year your boy was born. Okay, wow. It's... Sorry, I thought I heard a train. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> It was a Tuesday, and Dr. Reed had decided to take his dog out hiking. His dog, Susie, was a seven-year-old golden retriever, and going on hikes was fairly common and a regular thing for them to do together. They loaded up into the Jeep together and drove 40 to 50 minutes to a location around Snoqualmie Pass. They arrived around 1 that afternoon, parking in their usual spot. They'd arrived at an old logging trail that they had traveled down together many times before. They set off on their walk under an overcast sky, occasionally spotting wildlife like deer as they made their way. Susie was usually well-mannered and listened to her owner well, so she was off-leash as usual. However, Susie ended up running off into the woods barking at something. At first, Dr. Reed assumed that she must have just been barking at some small animal that she'd found, but grew worried when he heard the sound of her barking change. Her bark was different now, more distressed. Dr. Reed figured that she'd probably just found an animal and had managed to corner it or scare it up into a tree. Susie was a large dog, so he didn't immediately panic. At 80 pounds, he figured that she was capable of holding her own against whatever woodland creature she had found. He couldn't see his dog, but he could hear her and began cutting through the brush trying to make his way to her. When he was about 150 yards away from the barking, Susie yelped. Dr. Reed knew something bad had happened to her, so he picked up his speed, trying to make his way to her through the thick underbrush. He set his backpack down and grabbed a large branch that was laying on the ground, roughly the size and shape of a baseball bat. Live-edge baseball bat? That's just all I can think of. Just like, <laughs> uh, just a branch about the size of a baseball bat? You got a live-edge baseball bat, sir. Dude, I have an idea now. Let's let's play, let's have, let's have baseball, but we, we use, like, basically tree trunks still. I was going to say, you go down to Portland, you open yourself up a raw, a live edge baseball <laughs> bat shop and a league, the branding. Oh, my God. We're going to be millionaires. Oh, dude. Yeah. We can't we can't publish this episode until we get some trademark deals done. <laughs> Consider it done. I'm looking it up right now. Armed with his bat like stick, he surged over the hill and down into the clearing. There he spotted Susie, but she wasn't alone. She was engaged with a small figure. The small figure was described as Dr. Reed as being child-sized and very dark in color, almost black. Art Bell did mention at the time that he did not remember this part of the story from Dr. Reed's original telling of the events. Which I remember walking into the room when that part played and I was like, this is, this is hilarious already. <laughs> this is fantastic. I figured just for, <laughs> you know, like clarity and context sake, you know, if... I thought I would mention the few times Art Bell seemed a little bit 
suspicious, maybe, <laughs> of the goings-on of this story. I love Coast to Coast. <laughs> Dr. Reed said that while the figure was solid, from the second he spotted it, it began shaking and vibrating. The vibrating was so fast and so intense that he couldn't really see the outline of the being. Dr. Reed thought that Susie was biting the strange small creature on the arm, so he yelled for her to let it go. However, when he looked closer, he noticed that it appeared as if the creature's arm was actually molding into the mouth of his dog, and both of them were vibrating. The creature paused for a moment, looked Dr. Reed in the eyes, and stopped vibrating for a second. And then, very upsettingly, I may add, he says that the alien ripped his dog apart at the jaws. That's that's kind of... Kind of metal, but very sad. Dr. Reed claimed that this was a very bloody scene and that immediately afterwards, the dog's body began to collapse into itself, imploding almost like it was being vacuumed up from the inside out. All that remained of his beloved dog, Susie, was a pile of gray ash. Seriously, from like even from like the part where like the arm looks like it's morphing into the dog or like part of it. This is literally just the thing. This is John Carpenter's The Thing. No, this is Dr. Reed's The Thing. This is Dr. Reed's John Carpenter's The Thing. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. <laughs> Leaping forward with his stick, Dr. Reed let out a scream. The creature screamed, and he whacked it in the head. As he connected with the creature, it began to fall down. The branch caused such a severe injury that it actually fractured the skull of the creature. Dude, see, my live edge baseball bat company is a double-edged sword. Not only, yeah, not only can you play an amazing new sport with it, or a takeoff of an old American, you know, old-time original, but it's also self-defense. I'm really, we're really gonna start selling rocks <laughs> and sticks as our artisanal <laughs> self-defense tools. Oh my god. <laughs> I love this idea. Stick and rock. That's our Stick name. Stick and rock! <laughs> Curiously, after hitting the creature with the stick, Dr. Reed claims that he got violently ill. The sickness brought him to the ground, and he claimed to lose control over his bowel functions and bladder, that he threw up to the point of bleeding, and was gasping for air and had no control over his body. This man's conscience is so strong that it gave him ebola <laughs> <laughs> he felt so bad for hitting this creature in the head to the point of it fracturing the skull that he thought he killed it that he's 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 going through all these stages of of grief damn and, my anxiety and just regret. gives me a tummy ache <laughs> <laughs> He described the air as feeling different, that it was spongy, sick, and hot. The body of the alien lay on the forest floor, just two and a half to three feet away, and Dr. Reed began to crawl away from it. He claims that after he hit the alien, he laid too sick to move for about two and a half to three hours. While crawling away from the traumatic scene, Dr. Reed began to hear a low humming noise spread through the forest. He didn't know what it was or where it was coming from, but he hoped that it might be a sign of life, another hiker's radio or something. He described crawling for a bit, propping himself up against a tree, getting sick, and starting the cycle all over again numerous times. While he still couldn't see anything, he could still hear the low, ebbing harmonic sound, and it started to feel like it was scratching at his ears. Stumbling through the brush and into a little ravine, he looked up to discover the source of the sound. Sitting there, hovering in the air, 
was a diamond-shaped object that was black in color and measured about nine and a half feet long, two to three feet high, and four to five feet wide. Dr. Reed refers to this object as the obelisk because it reminds him of the top of the Washington Monument. (laughs) Big fourth grader on a field trip energy. (laughs) Weird frame of reference. He crawled underneath the ship and confirmed to himself that, yes, this ship really was hovering in the air. When talking to Art Bell about it, he used the phrase anchored to the air instead of hovering a few times because of how little movement the craft made. Like, he really wanted to hit that point home. Not hovering. It was like anchored to the air. Anchored to the air. I'm just trying to figure that one out. I mean, I guess I get it, but anchored to the air. Dr. Reed used the ship to pull himself up into a standing position, and as his body banged against it, he heard the tone of the humming change a little bit. He described this new humming as more pleasant. However, when pulling his hand away from the, from the craft, or object, whatever it was, the coldness of the object actually pulled a layer of skin off of his hand. He claims that this left a scar, but it has since faded, and it was never documented through pictures or video. Hmm. Hmm. That's weird. That's weird. That's suspicious. <laughs> Even more strange, when he fell against it, he claims like he felt like he was almost inside the object for a split second, then got thrown out. Dr. Reed also had the sensation that this craft might be an intelligent object as well, capable of interacting with its environment. Still gasping for air, vomiting, and barely in control of his body, Dr. Reed knew that he was becoming dehydrated and needed water soon. He headed back to his backpack. After crawling the 200 or so feet back to his backpack, he sat down for a bit and drank some water, along with some soda that he found in his pack. While he unpacked his supplies to find the water, he pulled his camera out of his pack. Dr. Reed says at this point he was convinced that he was living some sort of illusion and thought that maybe he had had some kind of stroke or medical event that was warping his reality. He figured if he took some pictures, they wouldn't show anything unusual and he could prove to himself that none of this was really happening. He snapped a few pictures of the body, then crawled back into the clearing with the bizarre black diamond-shaped craft. He cleared some of the brush at the base to better show that the object was hovering, and then took some photos as well as recording some footage with his video camera. Returning to his pack, Dr. Reed sat down, rested, and drank more water. He hadn't calmed down much, but was feeling slightly more stable, perhaps from him accomplishing the goal of taking the photos like he wanted to. It was then that he noticed the thermal blanket sitting with the rest of his supplies. (laughs) And then it attacked him. The biggest plot twist that you weren't expecting. <laughs> the thermal blanket was an alien the whole time! <laughs> Dr. Reed knew that it was about an hour and a half away from his jeep at a normal walking pace, and now he was reduced to crawling. He used the thermal blanket to cover the alien's body, mainly so he wouldn't have to look at it anymore. He figured that he would cover it with the blanket, then weigh down the edges with rocks to prevent any predator activity. Unable to find any suitable rocks... He came up with another plan. He would move the blanket to the edge of the hill and cover it with branches. He lifted the blanket with the small body inside and was shocked at how light it was. At this point in his Art Bell interview, he described the body as about the size of a 12-year-old, which I want to pause here. (laughs) Earlier he said very small, childlike. Now he's saying preteen 
<laughs> the two different sizes. A kid in middle school and like a kindergartner. Those are two very different sizes. I mean, no, you're you're definitely right. Maybe it was like a malnourished twelve year old. It does say fifty three to fifty six inches total, and that it probably weighed around fifty pounds. So I would consider that a malnourished twelve year old. <laughs> I was about to say I was definitely not weighing that much. I was definitely longer, taller than fifty three to fifty six inches at twelve years old. Good lord. I'm like, how tall is that? As fifty three to fifty six. I feel like that's like knee sized. Okay, I looked it up, and fifty three inches, which was like the small size of this, would be about four feet five inches. Oh, dude, I was definitely pushing five feet. Yeah, I was gonna say so. That was not me sized. That was about me sized at twelve, probably though. I don't know when I got to like me sized, but yeah, no, I was. I I would know four feet. Nothing at I, I was definitely more than four feet at 12 years old. After moving the bundle to its new location, though, Dr. Reed was unable to find any branches and he knew that it was beginning to get dark. He decided to carry it back with him to his Jeep. Dr. Reed claimed that on the journey back to his Jeep, he would take frequent breaks to stop, drink some water, throw up, and then continue on with his strange journey. He recalls arriving back at his Jeep after only about 10 to 15 minutes of walking and wondering how he ended up there so quickly. So there's that, like, time loss that's super, you know, like, reoccurring in all these different alien sightings. I just always think that's, like, such a weird detail that pops up in a lot of them. That is. That is a really weird detail. I can't imagine how disorienting that would feel to be like, I know I'm two hours away from my car, you walk 10 minutes and you're there. It's like... I mean, you've already seen your dog get eaten by an alien, though, at this point. Well, not eaten, but just killed. But you're losing some time, man. Yeah. That is... He opened up the trunk of the Jeep, loading his burrito-wrapped alien and his supplies, (laughs) got into the driver's seat, and just sat there, not starting the car yet. He looked over at his passenger seat, noticing that Susie wasn't in her usual spot. He says that that is when he knew something truly horrible happened out in the woods this day. Oh. I know. I feel bad for the dog. Poor pup. He started driving home, driving a few miles, then stopping to open his door and throw up out the side of his vehicle. He spotted a ranger station up ahead on the road and decided to try to get some help there. After driving about a mile and a half to get to the ranger station, he discovered it was locked up tight and there was nobody around. Getting back in his jeep, Dr. Reed decided to just head home. He described being in a numb state for the rest of the ride home, recalling the headlights on the road and how it was beginning to get dark. After pulling into his carport, he sat again in his Jeep for a while, thinking over what had just happened. He wondered if Susie could have gotten into a fight with a wild animal and gotten killed, and maybe this was just his brain's way of trying to cope with such a traumatic event. Looking in his rearview mirror, he locked eyes with the thermal blanket. And then it attacked him again. Sorry, I'm really on this bit of the... (laughs) Well, now I've moved on in my <laughs> I'm head. So, no, I'm sorry. No, you're good. I've moved on to Alien Burrito. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking about this This man just being, I'm going to cut him up and I'm going to serve him. I'm going to sell Alien Burritos. <laughs> I'm going to make millions. Looking in his rearview mirror, he locked eyes with the thermal blanket. His mind whirled, wondering if he should get rid of it by burying it somewhere or leaving it somewhere. He even questioned leaving it on someone else's doorstep. He wondered if he should take it to the university that he worked at. Also, just like imagining being like ding dong ditched with a burrito wrapped alien (laughs) on your doorstep. 
Honey, we got a Marvin Martian burrito on the front step. Honey, did you order the alien? <laughs> he finally settled on removing the package from the Jeep, as he didn't want anyone else to find it and get the shock of their lifetime. He decided to put the package in his garage, and as he walked in, he noticed his big, quote-unquote, coffin-like freezer. I could see that, like one of them big old... Oh man, I can't think of like the proper like name for it. But yeah, freezer. yes, yeah. chest freezer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to sell those, dude. I there's been multiple times when I was working at Sears, I was like, I kind of want to lay in this thing. I could totally fit, no problem. They weren't on or anything. It wasn't hazardous. Keys were taped inside. No way you could lock it on the outside without the keys. Just push right on out of there. Feel like Nosferatu or Dracula or something. Dr. Reed thought to himself, this will hide it. This will preserve it. It's dead meat and it's going to go bad and at least I won't have to look at it. He opened the freezer and placed the dead alien inside. He remembers thinking to himself, out of sight, out of mind. Closing the garage door behind him, Dr. Reed entered his house, went to his bathroom, and took a shower with all of his clothes on for an undetermined amount of time. That's when he became a mobster, putting bodies in freezers. Taking showers with all of his clothes on <laughs> to wash off the trauma. After his shower, his mind returned to the day that he had just had and all that he had experienced. He once again tried to convince himself that his dog must have been attacked and what was in the freezer was actually the body of his dog Susie and not some strange little unknown being. He found this answer comforting, saying that it made more sense and was more realistic to him than the alternative. Getting dressed, he went out to the freezer to examine the body. It wasn't Susie. Dr. Reed recalls that the alien had a weird aroma to it, an unpleasant smell of rotting fruit that always lingered around. Putting the dead alien back into the freezer, Dr. Reed made some phone calls. He was concerned about calling the police because whatever was in his freezer, he had killed it and he wondered if he should talk to an attorney first. I love the American urge of like... I'm going to, you know, make sure I can't get sued for shooting the alien before I report this. Like, it's so, like, that's wild. <laughs> that's a great idea, though. The man's got, like, dude, he could have he could have an intergalactic court. Like, that is some shit, man. First off, you got to find an attorney on Earth that can, like, deal with intergalactic court. You got to find out if there's, like, not, like, intergalactic space laws. Dude, that's a, that, that's a, this man's thinking, and I like it. He called his girlfriend, but she wasn't home, so he left a message for her. He tried again, calling some work friends, but they were also unavailable, so he left messages for them too. He called another friend, Gary, who missed his call, but called him back in just minutes after hearing Dr. Reed's voicemail. Dr. Reed claims that he told Gary that he was sick, his dog was dead, and that he needed him to come over. Gary came over, and Dr. Reed told him the entire story of his hike-turned-close encounter, and Gary didn't believe him at all. While he was concerned for his friend's health and safety, he didn't actually believe that he had seen an alien that day. Dr. Reed, angrily, decided to show Gary the freezer. Opening the freezer door, Dr. Reed said, Tell me that you don't see this. Tell me you don't see what you see. Gary's jaw dropped and he pressed himself up against the wall, then followed Dr. Reed back inside his house. Together they watched the footage that Dr. Reed had recorded on his TV. After some time and a half a bottle of scotch, that helps. Gary announced that he knew exactly what the strange thing was, an alien. Dr. Reed still insisted that he didn't know what it was, so Gary told him, 
It is. It's got to be some kind of extraterrestrial or biological creature that somebody created. I don't know. After a half a bottle of scotch, I'd imagine it probably sounded more like, it's got to be some kind of extraterrestrial or biological creature (laughs) somebody created. Gary immediately wanted to tell people about Dr. Reed's discovery, but Dr. Reed wanted to be careful about it. The last thing that he wanted was his house torn up and people rifling through his belongings. Together, they formed a plan to start making some calls and figuring out who exactly would be the best person or entity to report this to. Dr. Reed suggested showing the discovery to a few of his professor colleagues at the university that he worked at. They formed a list of numbers and began making some phone calls. This is just making me think of the second season of Stranger Things when... Uh, Jonathan and Nancy team up with Mari. I just, and they're just all going us like, we got to water it down. (laughs) Of those who answered their calls, some came to see the body for themselves and others didn't. Dr. Reed says that in the first nine days of him possessing the alien's body, about 10 people came to see it. Those people included his girlfriend, some close friends, as well as some people he worked with and respected. He claims that some of those who saw the body also took some pictures of it, too. But the next day, as they were making more calls, they noticed something fishy with their phone. Weird extra sounds, most notably a clicking sound, were heard, and they thought that their phone lines were being monitored at this point. Among some of these calls were calls to the Air Force and the police, both of who thought the call was a prank and didn't want to get involved. They hung up. They called MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, and asked, hypothetically, (laughs) if someone were to be in the possession of this kind of evidence, who should they talk to and what should they do? The MUFON representative sounded excited and happy to talk to them and told them not to tell anyone else about their discovery. They asked to meet Dr. Reed in a public place and asked if he could provide the photos if he had had them developed. The photos had been developed in a day, so Dr. Reed brought them along with him to his meeting giving the MUFON members a box of the pictures, some negatives, and some other unspecified evidence. Gotta love one-hour photo. He says that the MUFON member gave him another phone number that they could use to reach them, and said that they would hear back by them by the next day. After the next day came and went without hearing anything from MUFON, Dr. Reed called the phone number that they had given him. It was an out-of-order number that didn't exist. He looked up the number in the phone book for MUFON, and after calling and talking to them, MUFON informed him that they had never been in contact before. Dr. Reed believes that his phone calls were being monitored, and someone posed as MUFON to steal evidence from him, and now they had 50% of his evidence for themselves. I kind of believe that part. The story's crazy! (laughs) That part I totally believe. I totally believe that somebody caught on to his thing, and he was like, uh, I'm gonna give me some of that alien stuff. He also claimed that around this time, strange people started coming up to his door and knocking. He described an instance where three men, all dressed in black suits, parked a black car outside of his house and approached his door. He described their ways of speaking as strange and almost hypnotic. He says that while talking to the men, he actually felt a little sleepy. The men told him that they knew what he had found and what he was in possession of, and if he didn't give it to them, his whole life was going to change. When the softer angle didn't work, they stressed that his whole life was going to change forever, including his friends' and family's lives. Dr. Reed told them to get out of his house and that he was going to call the cops, but the men just calmly stood up 
walked to the door, and replied, That's okay. The cops are with us. Dr. Reed looked out the window to find a Seattle PD cop car parked behind the strange men's black car. They told him, Stay in touch. You have an option. And Dr. Reed again told them to get out of his house and off of his yard. The men drove away, and the police car followed them leaving. Oh my god, like, this entire story, I'm gonna say it here, I think a lot of it's bullshit, but, like, that shit about, like, the men in black being like, it's okay, the cops are with us. Oh, that gave me goosebumps. I don't know, that's so scary, dude. That very much made me think of, uh, like, if y'all haven't heard it already, uh, we're fucking dorks, so we know what it is. Uh, But, yeah, Dan Aykroyd, way into aliens, conspiracy theories, all this crazy shit. One of my favorite fucking stories that he has is that he was, like, shooting a a, a show about conspiracy theories, right? Yeah, he was doing a... A, I think it was like a Discovery Channel show that was going to talk about like aliens and conspiracy theories and stuff like that. And while they're shooting it one day, I'm just going to go ahead and tell the story because yeah. I was also wanting to talk about this. Do it. He walks out and he looks up and there's like a van watching him and he's like, oh, that's kind of weird. And he his phone starts ringing and he looks down and he's getting a phone call from Britney Spears. And she's like, hi, Dan, I'm hosting SNL and I'm asking... Like, just for, like, advice with it or whatever, blah, blah, blah. He, you know, like, helps her out, talks to her and stuff, hangs up with the phone with her, goes to walk back inside, and his producer immediately walks over to him and is like... Oh, also, the van's gone at this point. And his producer is immediately just like, they're pulling the show that's canceled. We're not doing anything more for it. They're shutting it all down right this second. And I'm like, we need an interview with Britney Spears. We need a journalist to ask Britney Spears, did you ever call Dan Aykroyd? Because I, I I love both those people very strongly. <laughs> I'm not seeing a lot of overlap. Neither am I. I don't get it. I mean, like, Blues Brothers, maybe, but I don't know. Like, music. That's the only similarity. They both perform. <laughs> I loved Britney Spears and the Blues Brothers. <laughs> Blues Brothers 2001. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would watch the shit out of that movie. I'm not going to be kidding. <laughs> Deciding to change direction with their plans, Gary and Dr. Reed decided to divide up the remaining evidence and ship it to a friend in another country for safekeeping. Dr. Reed had arranged for a work colleague who was a doctor to view the alien later that day that the strange men had paid him a visit, but the doctor had never showed up. Dr. Reed called this doctor to ask what had happened, and the doctor told him, I can't do it. I can't come. I can't get involved. Dr. Reed had put out a table and a light for the doctor to examine the alien with, and went out to his garage to put them away since they weren't going to be used after all. As he was putting the table away, he heard a scratching or kind of like a rubbing sound. He wondered if it was the freezer's compressor going out since it was an older freezer that had been gifted to him. He wondered for a second if it could have been rats, then decided to make sure that everything was okay with the freezer so the body of the alien wouldn't accidentally warm up and decompose. He opened the freezer door to find the alien, which they had begun calling Freddy because Gary said that it reminded him of a former boss. (laughs) Probably my favorite detail in this entire story. That's a Melvin's ass story. They found that Freddy had unwound himself from his little thermal blanket burrito. So he popped his head up out of the freezer and screamed. (laughs) The scream was so intense and powerful that Dr. Reed said that it felt like something powerful was pushing on his chest, pushing him away. He ran in the house, leaving the freezer door wide open, and slammed the door. He called Gary and told him about how the alien had just come back to life and started screaming at him. But again, Gary wasn't immediately buying the story. Where it's like, Gary, did you learn nothing from the first time? (laughs) 
You've already seen the alien. The fact that it pot came back alive and screamed doesn't seem that outside, outside the realm of alien possibility. Gary, get it, get your shit together, Gary. <laughs> yeah, what Gary needs like he, he needs like absolute solid evidence that this shit yes. is happening. Gary. <laughs> 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 Which honestly, I'm kind of with Gary on that, but it's like, good lord. Gary's dude. like, oh, there's an annual family barbecue this weekend. Be a fucking until bro. I see the Facebook invite for it. Like, might as well not be happening. Nothing by word of mouth goes to Gary. Needs it on paper. Just fucking, like, Gary, be a fucking bro one time. Right? Just for once, could you back me up, dude? You saw the alien. I was right about that. Now it's yelling. Yelling is outside the realms of what an alien can do. Come on, Gary. Gare Bear. Gare Bear. So Gary came over. Uh. Sorry. We, I love how much we hate Gary now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Gary came over and Dr. Reed led him out to the garage because Gary's got to see shit for himself, I guess, to believe it. He opened the freezer and again, the alien popped up and screamed, this time a Gary. And Gary started running and Dr. Reed was wondering if he was ever going to stop running. So they retreated back into the house and they just left the freezer drawer and the garage door open at this point. I said drawer. The freezer door and the garage door open in hopes that, like, at this point, the alien would just, like, run away and they wouldn't have to deal with it anymore that's just like the like most toddler that's what i would have done from the very beginning i would have been like i don't want this thing when he was talking about how he would have left it on someone's doorstep no that's what i would have done <laughs> i would have put it in an arby's dumpster in an arby's dumpster they got the meats dr reed now believes that the alien was never actually really dead <laughs> he thinks that it might have been passed out during the jeep ride home but claims that in the footage he recorded it was pointed out to him years later that the alien actually blinks and moves some facial muscles slightly as he kind of pokes and prods at it. He believes that while it was in the freezer, it was faking being dead, or as he said on Art Bell, playing possum. Yeah, because you didn't dome that thing pretty fucking good with a live-edge baseball bat. He said that it, like, punctured the sack and there was blood everywhere and it had, like, a cracked open head and it was, like, leaking brains and everything. Right? Like, of course it would wake up and, like, scream and like if it's still alive. So after a few hours, the two men returned to the garage where they found that the alien had put itself back inside the freezer and closed the door, opening the freezer lid. This time the alien didn't scream, but instead it kind of looked up at him and made a big weird chirping noise like a bird or a dolphin. <laughs> yeah, at this point the story has gotten, like, 100% unhinged. And I I'm mean, just this having alien fun with has this. severe head trauma. <laughs> They're like, oh, this fucking alien, there's something weird about this fucking alien. You fucking domed it. <laughs> you fucking hit it in the head with a fucking live edge baseball bat. <laughs> for crying out fucking loud. Like fucking, he believes that it was playing dead. Or playing possum in the fu Motherfucker. It was in a coma. <laughs> it was in a goddamn coma because you hit it in the fucking head. Goddamn hard. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's like having a fucking conniption making weird bird or dolphin noises. Also, two very different noises. And they can't figure out fucking why. <laughs> but like he described, he was like, like a bird or a dolphin. And I was like, wow, those are vastly different noises. I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like birds and dolphins can make like like they got like that weird like chirp they can kind of I don't know. I'm imagining it like that weird noise that cats make when they're like they see oh, a bird yeah. outside the window and they're like 
you know, like they do like that weird yeah. shit with their face. I regret doing that into the mic because I'm gonna have to edit that out. But they do like that weird thing with their face and everything. We'll just bleep it out. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Reed had had this creature in his possession for nine days at this point, and word was getting back to him that his friends and family were experiencing harassment, like screaming phone calls, burned effigies on their lawns, and vehicles driving past their homes over and over. Okay, so just the burned effigies. I'm just imagining like half burned fake aliens <laughs> just exactly the same <laughs> like the blow-up ones you can get at like lake fair yeah. and stuff <laughs> oh <laughs> it's like i don't know what the spaceship from like uh like star wars or anything are called but it's like the plastic toys from like the 80s of like, oh, the yeah. death star and shit like that and they're just <laughs> just half charred yeah, and, like melted just... and shit sorry my brain was like opens it and steps on it <laughs> What's he gonna do? He's just gonna leave it in the freezer while he flees the country. It's not like it can take care of itself. It's not. Yeah, just leave it in the freezer. Lock that fucker. Leave it in there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> he says that during this visit, the alien made more chirping noises at him, and it was moving slowly and non-aggressively. He recalled talking to it like a dog or a family member, <laughs> which also you should not talk to those things in the same way. <laughs> Martha, come. Martha, come. <laughs> sit. Sit. Eat. Oh, shit. Play the turkey. It's like, leave Aunt Martha alone. <laughs> he described how it would get out of the freezer and sit at the floor and stare at him with these, like, big eyes and kind of peer into his mind. He said that he would see memories of his life like a movie playing in his mind, which I was like, that's what memories are. Um, and he said that these movie memories were so vivid that he could feel the grass. Or smell whatever he was thinking of. Uh, I'm I'm just gonna say that that is that is uh, that is partially nostalgia, and also the fact that he was staring into the eyes of a domed alien <laughs> that has severe head trauma. I'm just imagining this alien has like hypnotoad level, like <laughs> because of the concussion it has. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> On the ninth day of his alien ownership, oh God! Doctor Reed returned home after spending some time with Gary. As he approached his house, he saw two vans parked on his lawn and people rolling his belongings out on dollies. He didn't want to stop, so he went to some unspecified location and came back later. <laughs> I, I he never explained where he went. I was like, okay, you go back to Gary's. You go to Fred Meyer. You what? Uh, I gotta go Taco Bell. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're reeling my shit out. Well, I guess I gotta go get a crunch wrap. When he returned to his house, he found everything in a state of chaos. Everything had been flipped over and gone through, items were missing, and they'd even removed his toilet, so water was spewing everywhere. That seems unnecessary. Oh my god! Everything is everywhere! I can't even take a shit anymore! Looks like I'm a crunch wrap. When he entered his garage, he discovered that the freezer was completely gone. No! Don't worry. He looked down at the garage floor and spotted some little frosty footprints that appeared to stop at the wall, <laughs> suggesting that something might have been able to teleport through it. Dr. Reed thought, maybe he got away. Maybe he actually got away. 
And it is at this point that I lost my shit. I laughed at everything from the frosty footprints to maybe he actually got away for solid 15, 20 minutes by myself. <laughs> Felt like I was, it hurt. Um, oh my god, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> the little frosty footprints. The little frosty footprints. Why does that sound like something that Wendy's would potentially like? <laughs> like have some, like, like like little i i don't know like i can oh, see them being like little like ice cream like chocolate covered like some wendy's marketing campaign with like yeah. a little frosty elf or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> frosty footprints dr reed claims that from there he spent some time in canada homeless after losing his job life and credentials to this alien experience he and a freelance journalist wrote a book about the event and he opened up about it on coast to coast since then Dr. Reed has been invited three times to speak at the International UFO Congress and was even featured on the Discovery Channel. Wait, 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 wait. Let's backpedal real quick. This motherfucker wrote a book about the experience? Yeah, he had a guy help him write a book. I gotta fucking read this shit. It's probably long. I, I don't give a, 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 a damn. I don't give a, a, a rat's ass. I don't give a rat's hat. I need to read this book. It could the cover of it could just be the National Enquirer, and I'll still read it. I need to circle back one more time to the little frosty footprints <laughs> thing because it, it's reminding me of all those memes that are like Dobby from Harry Potter in a glue trap, <laughs> <laughs> which circling back to ETs with hammers, same energy, and that it makes me laugh stupidly hard. <laughs> Dr. Jonathan Reed's alien experience remains one of the most controversial and widely debated UFO cases in history. <laughs> the strange photos and disturbing video are enough to talk about on their own, but what if I told you that the real identity of Dr. Jonathan Reed is a hot topic of debate itself? Oh, do go on. The site UFO Watchdog claims that Dr. Jonathan Reed isn't a real person at all. <laughs> They claim that Dr. Reed is actually a Seattle resident named John Bradley Rudder. They also claim that John Rudder stayed in Seattle the entire time that he cl he claimed to be on the run. He was never a professor, and he does not even have a college degree. I will say, though, the name John Bradley Rudder, that man sounds like somebody that can do some damn good plumbing. Or play a banjo. That's where my heart Oh, yeah. Out. That motherfucker can tear up a banjo, dude. Give him some banjo loop, and he's ready to go, dude. Other UFO enthusiasts point to Dr. Reed's reluctance to have the evidence tested to be suspicious, but Dr. Reed claims that independent researchers have studied his photos and videos and found nothing out of the ordinary with them. And of course, I couldn't do all this research and compile all this information without watching the video for myself. So here's my analysis of it, which I found on YouTube under the title, Dr. Jonathan Reed Alien Counter, 15th October 1996 full coverage on the channel, shocking mysteries <laughs> the video begins and you can hear a man sobbing who is very clearly out of breath you can hear him gag and the footage shows an alien laying face down on the ground and you can see blood coming out of the wound on the back of its head because it was what domed the <laughs> with a live edge baseball bat <laughs> the video camera's recording is distorted for a few seconds and you can hear dr reed begging for it to work the footage then jumps to the black diamond-shaped craft hovering, sorry, anchored to the air, in the clearing, and then back to the alien wrapped up in the blanket. 
The blanket is unwrapped to show an alien that is wearing what looks like to me a tracksuit. <laughs> Wait, you mean you mean to tell me we got a Jonathan Davis alien laying on the ground right now? <laughs> Wait, what if he wasn't? What if he wasn't making bird noises and dolphin sounds? He was actually like. <laughs> This was Jonathan David. <laughs> um, and it also kind of looks like a pillow stuffing stuffed into a tracksuit as well while we're on the topic. Um, the alien blinks a couple times as it lays there and films it. And he touches the alien's face with a gloved hand and then like opens and closes its mouth. I believe that this part was recorded at home and not in the woods. He kind of pokes at its nose where its nostrils would be and moves the head from left to right, turning it. Um, and that's pretty much where the footage ends. I need to see this. I don't think I watched this when you were watching this. I need to. I want to. I want to see this. Yeah, if you look at the photos, there's, oh, yeah, you there's me one the photos. very specific photo of it where um, it looks like it was just woken up from the best sleep of its life, <laughs> and it's incredibly pissed off about it. And I find it like so relatable, like. It's so funny. He looks like he's like, oh, you hit me in the head. You know what I mean? He looks absolutely disgruntled. I can't do calculus no more. He's like, my head's killing me. So what do you think? Did Dr. Reed have a break with reality, losing his dog to a cougar, and his brain created this as a way to cope? Or did Dr. Reed really perform his own alien autopsy on that fateful day of November 1996? Or maybe you're more like me, who is doubting the existence of Dr. Reed at all, but are highly entertained by this weird-ass UFO tale. Head on over to our Facebook group, Olympia Oddities Podcast, and let us know what you think. We actually watched a video earlier today that kind of reminds me of this. If you're not familiar with the Carpetbagger on YouTube, he goes all over the country and does all these cool little roadside stuff. And, like, he hits all the weird shit that Trista and I love. And he went to Arizona to see The Thing. But as you're going through there, there's, like, all of this weird, what if... Like, what if the aliens controlled the dinosaurs? And this is what this, this this very much gives me vibes of that. Yeah. Like, it was, we were long overdue for just like a good, low stakes. Did this alien kill a dog? You know what I mean? It's like, sometimes you got to give your brain a break by watching oh, yeah. three hours of a man <laughs> very slowly and repetitively <laughs> tell you about his alien experience and you say there's more episodes of this story yes maybe we'll come back and and and, and cover more like in the future maybe maybe yeah. further on down the line maybe possibly. we can do a follow-up yeah. episode i'd be down to this was such a fun time we'll honestly. make a little mini series i had so much like the more details i learned about this the more like when i was like they're calling it freddy, <laughs> they're they're calling calling it freddy. it's got little frosty footsteps i was so excited <laughs> to tell you about this and then these guys just being like it's it's acting weird it's weird because you hit it in the fucking head <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode of olympia oddities if you want to support our podcast you can head over to our t public shop and grab yourself a t-shirt notebook sticker and more or you can follow our instagram for the podcast at olympia oddities podcast and make sure that you're subscribed to us so that you never miss an episode of pacific northwest related true crime cryptids weird-ass alien sightings like this, or hauntings. You can show your support by leaving us a five-star review, sharing us with a friend, or posting about us on social media. We love to see everything that our listeners tag us in, and we love sharing your pictures. I'm Trista, and you can follow my personal Instagram at SaloonGhost. I'm Steven, and you can find my personal Instagram at TooBrutalForYou. And until next time, friends, remember to keep that dog 
on a leash.